Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 15th of April 2018. I hope you're all doing well, considering the awful weather we've had across the planet at times. And a lot of it, of course, is to do with pretty well routine weather modification uh, with the chemical spraying that they've been doing forever in geoengineering. And you have articles even in the papers from China and other places. China right now is, has been spraying an area the size of Spain for rain, and it works awfully well. They're quite open about it over there. And the techniques they're using are much more old-fashioned than the, the techniques we're using here. Well, at least they're using the silver oxide over there, which isn't quite as harmful as the sulfurs that added to the, our, our mix recently. But it's cheaper, you see. And we certainly do have good economists here. They believe in economy, especially when it comes to using your money, because at least more for them, you use for other things. That's the system we live in. And when you think back, even here where I am, last night and today, it's about 25 degrees Fahrenheit during the day too. Terrible winds, really cold, and what snow was left is compacted to an extent. And it was sort of like solid ice today when I got up, when I was outside. But really, really cold with that wind, too, blasting away. And it's supposed to be the same all night and then tomorrow as well. And when I think about it, really, winters are getting longer and longer here all the time. I think it was November and December. November was cold, darn cold, and in December, too. All the way through, actually. Very, very cold. It's almost six months already of, of winter, and it hasn't finished yet because of global warming. And we'll be paying a lot for it, too, through all the nonsense, the carbon taxes. Any term they want to give it doesn't make any difference at all. It's simply a reason to tax all your spending money from you, to get into austerity. I've given the talks before. Some folk will even grab them the talks and put them in their books. Not so long ago, and some pretty close, in fact, in a sense. And that's what they do. I've got a massive archive of talks I've given, lots of research, and they, they certainly avail themselves of it, but they never tend to mention you. Which is a good point to, to bring up the fact, too, you can donate, remember, to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. And you can go into the, into the website and look it up and see how to do it. It's quite easy. You can use PayPal. You can send a check or a postal money order. From the U.S., if you use postal money orders, you have to use an international one. It's the same price. And, anyway, and in Canada, you should use a personal one. And you can send cash as well. But remember, too, I, I don't sell anything else. I've I got books, which are completely different from anything else because I show you the technique of, of thinking, basically, in different directions at the same time. That's how you can put things together. The way that you're ruled is because you don't put things together. You only see the moment, the now, generally the emotional now as well. So I tend to, to put things together for you to show you how you're trained all the time. You're trained, where the masses of people are trained at the same time. It's beautiful today, since you're all getting the same news at the same time. And everyone connected now with their, 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 their computers and iPhones and everything else, they're getting the same news fed to them directly, all at the same time, across continents. Quite something. What power that's got. What a power that is to shape your minds all at the same time. Preparing you, and by little bits here and little bits there, to direct you along a specific direction so that when they pull a little kuritar, whatever it happens to be, uh, on you, a, a little chess move, you might say, the big one, then you fall into it through emotion. 
And if you understand how intelligence services operate and counterintelligence services operate, you, you can only then figure in that most of the, what the, of the use is your daily deluge of nonsensical trivia, which we call news. Most of it is trivia. And worse today, of course, is it's probably all trivia, but the fact is that's what gives us uh, your, 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 the shaping of the mind, preparing you for what's to come. And you don't realize that. In so many different stages and areas and levels, in fact, your mind is shaped for what's to come. Culturally, uh, even with the wars that are going on, things like that, wars to come, you're having your mind shaped for you all the time, preparing you for it. Things don't happen spontaneously, especially in the theater of war. But that's how it's presented to the public. They want you to believe that. The things are spontaneous. And nothing is further from the truth. We found out, for instance, that if you go back even, well, there's many wars, of course, but if you go back into, you had, you had the different wars on Iraq, for instance. First you had Afghanistan after 9-11. And in 2003, they went into Iraq as well. And I can remember reading on the air at the time, I think it was, it was some show was on, and, and I said, I read from the newspapers, and I said, uh, here's what the, the media in, in Canada had said about it. They'd done a study. A study was done on the U.S. media. Because all you get is propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. So suddenly the guy that was supposed to live in a cave in Afghanistan had, had basically brought war to America. And nothing was further from the truth in, in that sense. In that sense. It wasn't a guy living in a cave over there who did it. And it's, it's so fudgy, the whole, the whole explanation of what happened in 9-11, that uh, it's a field day for all kinds of conspiracies, which, of course, real intelligence agencies love, because they're often behind it, <laughs> obviously. But in the 90s, when the PNAC group, the Project for New American Century, Wolfowitz and Cheney and all the rest of the guys involved in Rumsfeld, they published their, the countries that they would like to have neutralized, put it that way. And they had these countries, a whole list of countries on it, all the way from Afghanistan and then Iraq, uh, right through to uh, Libya and Syria and Iran. They wanted them all taken out, basically, one by one. And that was in conjunction with a, another group that the PNAC group were involved with in another country who had the exact same list, of course. They were published. And I remember reading from both papers at the time. I thought, is that kind of odd, or is it just simple planning? Anyway, the PNAC group got their wish, which is a new Pearl Harbor event, and the towers came down. And on again, on a day when they were practicing a, a, a drill on <laughs> of planes attacking the towers, it's just astonishing, isn't it? And I think Rumsfeld was even in charge, along with Cheney at the time. So anyway, you go through this kind of stuff, and, and the more you'll see throughout your life, you'll find that these kind of things happen. At least that's how it's presented to you, and you're supposed to believe it. And I've, I, you have all this indignation if you have all these facts there, because facts are an awful nuisance to intelligence agencies, an awful nuisance, and to those who plan wars and catastrophes and, and uh, geopolitical strategy. And even economic collapses, too. And, and the loot they'll get from it at the top in their own circles. It's quite astonishing, really, that what comes out of all. But anyway, getting back to what I'm saying. 
Today, it's, it's easier than ever. You're all getting it from the television, or this, if you watch television at the news time, you're getting it on radio, you're getting it on your, your internet, your iPhone, everything else. You've got all these ways of getting the same exact stuff from the same sources every day. And you tend to just get the one side of everything, which is the authoritarian side, basically, or the authorized side from the authoritarians. <laughs> and it, nothing changes. Nothing really changes in how crisis is, is presented to you by intelligence via governmental agencies. Now, media is, is famous, famous, especially today more so, because media is famous for, for, for wanting handouts from government departments, military departments, and, and uh, your, your spook or spy agencies. Of course they do. It saves them a lot of work, and they know that people like to read this kind of stuff. It's better than the usual boring stuff they generally dish out to you. And it also gives them, if they're awfully, awfully good, then reporters from all different uh, newspapers or magazines, whatever, they love to get in to briefings. You don't get invited into briefings unless you, the, the people who bring you in know you're going to play the game with them and be on their side and put things across the way that they want you to put things across. It's quite amazing to me, too, that <laughs> they always have conferences for different press officials and so on before uh, strikes and things like that. So, so you know darn well it's, it's worked out that way. They, they tend to get people on board. I can remember, for instance, the U.S. when George Bush was in and they, and they, they attacked. They wanted the war again through Iraq, right through, etc. And he basically, again, back to that study it was done by a Canadian newspaper. They, they found that, that people were believing what Bush and, and, and the mouthpieces for Bush were, was saying. They so slickly turned the, the whole focus from Afghanistan so quickly and, and slickly turned it into a, Iraq was a bad guy. The Americans all followed it without noticing. They just started repeating that Saddam Hussein was a bad, bad man. He was bad. He was the problem. It was all his fault. And, and during eventually the hearing that they had after all, when they destroyed Iraq, Bush said, he said, and you can look it up yourself, you'll see him saying it, probably up there on YouTube, and he said... Uh, well, I never said that Saddam Hussein was behind 9-11. I just thought he was a bad man and, and the world's better off without him. And that was the justification for demolishing a whole nation. Uh, and it's never finished since, of course, with mass migration across Europe. That was part of it. And it was also the start of the massive reforming of different terrorist groups, or even the creation of a lot of them, too. Because you wouldn't be too happy yourself if someone came in and, and turned your country back into the Stone Age. Would you? And it's all planned that way. And of course, it's all foreseen too by the planners. They understand what the blowback is. They'd wrote about it. And they knew it was going to happen. And uh, regardless, they had their strategic objectives to accomplish. And, and they continued regardless. The big, big one too was when they also took out, eventually, when they took out under Clinton, Herr Hillary and so on. It was her job anyway. And Albright as well, they planned to take out Libya. And Clinton, Hillary Clinton, thought it would be good for her, good on her resume, you see, <laughs> for the vote and all that. And they, they destroyed Gaddafi. They looted the country's gold reserves. Now, it all disappeared, by the way. That was the whole country's pensions and everything, all gone. I mean, it was the wealthiest country, in the, almost in Africa. <laughs> and uh, gone, just all planned that way. Just like Iraq's museum was plundered too. And I think, I think it was Canada even had documentary on before they went into Iraq. 
and showed these private individuals across the US and Latin America and other places too, who had their own private museums. They put their bids in for certain artifacts and, and they, sure enough, they got all. That's how, how, how pretty slick it all really is, isn't it? Also meant, of course, that uh, another troop of special agents went around that museum once the troops were there, told the troops to stand back while they looted it. And that goes on all the time, that kind of thing. They've already got, uh, well, never mind that, I was going to go on to something else, but there. But the fact is, I've even got the, the documents too, and I read them when it was exposed eventually that Tony Blair, the one-armed, I was going to say one-armed bandit, but I was going to say, he's always waving his arms about. He's a bandit too, mind you, but he's always waving his arms about to try to get a point across when there's no real point there, meaning when he's lying. And he did a lot of arm-waving when he was uh, Prime Minister of Britain, and, and pretty well single-handedly, he, he was a guy who wanted the whole of the UK to be behind the military that he's going to send off into Iraq. But what came out years later, too, and I read them on the air, and I'm still, I'll put them up again tonight, was the fact that he had the top CEOs of big corporations in before the invader, two or three years before it, by the way. Nothing spontaneous, as I say. I never think something spontaneous. Especially when it's, it's, it, you're dealing with logistics and military and supplies. And all that kind of, it's all done and extensive planning before people go out and, and bomb places. Anyway, Tony Blair got the top guys from, from all the oil companies in to divvy up different parts of Iraq's oil fields. And I'm sure, like all prime ministers and presidents, they get tremendous luck once they leave offices with all the directorships, etc. So I was reading there too that Tony Blair, he got, uh, I think his personal wealth at one point, a few years after leaving office, was £87 million. Not bad, eh? And, and now it's way, way over that now. And he's put in charge of the quartet that was involved with uh, a kind of negotiations between Israel and some countries next to Israel as well. He also had J.P. Morgan, I think, backing him up too financially. So he, he's right in there with the big boys too. Well, isn't it amazing when Tony Blair has pulled out suddenly, you know, maybe, maybe about a month ago, six weeks ago, Getting it all ready, you could see it, I could smell it getting all ready. Suddenly it's Tony Blair saying what they should do and not happy with the Middle East and so on. Now, it was just like, it was like Groundhog Day to me to have it all happen all over again. Here's Blair, out of nowhere. He's not even Prime Minister now, eh? And here he is, suddenly, he's all for going over and, and finishing off Syria and blah, 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 you know. There's a lot more to Tony Blair than meets the eye, put it that way. An awful lot more. But, but here's, here's intelligence. Here's your clues of intelligence. There are powerful interests and dangerous interests if you're opposing them or you're simply in the way of them that want, again, the continuation of all, the whole list that the PNAC group had published and the one that General Clark had on democracy now. He, had, he talked about it, at least he talked about it, about the list of, of nations they wanted to take out. But that, that, then he couldn't figure out at the time, too, what on earth this was all about. I'm sure he did eventually, but why those list of countries? Because there are other interested parties involved in colluding together for what they want geopolitically as well, of course, naturally. And other countries are simply used to finance it all, 
and to, to supply the, the military weaponry, and, and if necessary, die for it and all that, and fund it all. But that's, that's really what it's about as well. The general public, really, if you understand what government is, or they call it governance today, the general public are just the peons at the bottom. They're used, abused, conditioned, programmed to do the bidding of those way above you. With tremendous sciences all working upon you, like Aldous Huxley mentioned a long time ago, he understood this perfectly well. And the techniques that are used in the public are far more sophisticated and all-pervasive now, today. Very effective, though. Don't forget, too, that you had Lord Bertrand Russell, for instance, who talked about the masses. And he also said that they used to think, he says, we used to think that simply reiterating facts to educate the people would change behavior, make them more enlightened, and so on, and and more susceptible to, to listen to reason and act upon it. And he says how wrong we were. He said you can do more if you want the military strikes or whatever happens to be your wars. You can do more with a, a brass band and marching bands waving the colors, the flags, than you can with decades of education and reason. Now, he, he was a nasty character himself, but, and he was a nasty character himself, but he told the truth in a sense, because he was talking from the people who already controlled society, who'd done all the studies, who'd tested it out over and over and over again, and they knew that people, with all the studies that are done on us constantly, he knew people decide by emotion more than reason on big things. And that's why when you get the call to war, oh, look what they've done, look what they've done, and you have terrible pictures of whatever it happens to be, and immediately it has an emotional response. It's like wag the dog. Don't ever, I've mentioned this before, I was quite amazed too to see it recently, uh, talks I'd given before on wag the dog psychological warfare. A few other things I mentioned along with the talks I'd given about it, including the matrix, the allegories of the matrix and how psychology is used there too, etc. And Parameters magazine as well, I mentioned that. Well, it was all mentioned, so I knew darn well the guy who'd written it for for the intelligence agency had been listening to me as well. It was just too much. It was one after that, right, right from my talks. But anyway, I went through, and that was the military college, but I went through the techniques that are used, and uh, we're, we're seeing them all getting played out again, all of them, right out of the book, in fact. It's no coincidence. I mean, as I say, I keep telling people, if you're on the list that was from the 90s, they're going to continue to, to go at you, at you and after you until you're out. And the, the, the reason that the whole of Europe is flooded right now and continues to be, because they also took out Gaddafi, who was literally, you talk about walls and walls and building, the guy literally uh, was a kind of wall to keep the people from, from most of Africa, African countries, out. He knew they'd flood. And, and now you've got uh, Turkey trying to take the place of Gaddafi's group by holding them back and, and holding Europe to ransom. They're wanting six billion dollars or pounds or euro to to hold them back. And if they don't do that, they'll just release them until you get fed up with it. But Gaddafi used to do that. That was the deal. He mentioned it in the United Nations too. He said, if you take me out of this picture, he says, your your, your countries will be ruined. They won't have countries anymore with the massive floods. So all this was predicted long, long ago. 
And then you find out, then you find out, again getting back to Tony Blair, the man who just appears at the right time with the same broken record of, let's go and flaps his arms, let's go to war, let's go and get these nasty Syrians. He won't go and fight, of course. None of these folk do, do they? But you're all supposed to do it instead, because they, you, they know how to play the masses, and they're psychopathic. I mean, that's why they're picked by the masters. We do have masters, by the way. But the thing is, Tony Blair also remember, and this is what they, all, they also know in psychological warfare, if they flood you with daily nonsense, 98, 90% trivia in newspapers for, for a year or two, you're so full of rubbish and nonsense in your head that you'll suddenly believe anything that's presented to you. But just stop that. Stop that nonsense. Throw all that rubbish out here. Clean it out. Get spring cleaning. And think back. Now, Tony Blair, and I read, I read that in the air too at the time, was caught because his second in command came out and said that Tony Blair wanted, uh, wanted mass migration. All this stuff fell into their hands. They wanted this thing to happen. And Tony Blair wanted to finish off the homogeneity of the British people for, forever. That's what, that's what was said at the time by the people who worked with him right into his top cabinet. But here's again doing the same thing. Well, I tell you, there are forces that definitely want this. We know this. Some of them have been very open about it recently too. If uh, Syria goes down and then they go for Iran, because Iran's also on the list, well, that's the end of what used to be called European civilization. It's finished. Finished. Gone. And once things are gone, that's it. They don't come back. They're finished. So there's different objectives here. You don't ever forget that. There, there are different objectives here. And there are different groups involved. And some groups have their own objectives. Sometimes more than one objective in certain groups. They finish off one group and even use the chaos on others. Then they'll feel safer for themselves. There are many things at play here. When you see <laughs> lots of theatricals going on, and lot, there are lots of theatricals going on right now, or people in the certain media, it's a, a form of keeping audiences. People are trying to keep audiences because they, they feel they've been let down badly by the people they've been backing. Or at least that's how it's put across to the people. Uh, otherwise, have no followers left at all. Think about it. And you'll find other media are completely on board with these wars. Most, most media is on board with the wars because they all have big, big paychecks coming in from different sources that have self-interests in these particular wars too. Sadly, some newspapers, and it is sad, even prints up all that the armaments are sending off to this little country. It's not, it's not huge, you know. And they've been fighting a long, protracted war for ages, and it's not civil. It's also presented as a civil war. And we know, I, I, got, I lost track of all the articles over the years I read on this. They had Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, of course, morphed into other things as well. We had all versions of, of uh, ISIS, ISIL, and ICE, and all the rest of it. Now, of course, it's, they'd have their different Kurdish groups, apparently, all fighting each other, top two, north. It's an ongoing thing. And the U.S. was backing. I can remember reading the articles from even uh, admissions in the mainstream newspapers at the time. Occasionally, not on them all, but a few of them. 
that uh, the U.S. was backing Even the CFR mentioned it at times as well. In fact, the CFR, and I read that article from their own magazine, uh, they, they mentioned that uh, this group, this ISIS group, could be their best ally against Syria. Our best ally against Syria. And then, then in Qatar, you had uh, all the articles, too, of the weaponry getting brought in there, the financing, the training of the troops, the, these, these rebels, to go in and invade of course. And they got lots and lots of weaponry from Libya when it was demolished because they'd still had their arms for their armies and that. And there were, there were people on the spot at the time who were, it was arranged for them to come in and they were taking all the armaments away with them. And they were the ones that, who then went to fight against Syria. All planned that way. All planned that way. And it, it won't stop. I, I really don't think it will stop by deception, by all kinds of means and so on, uh, until they do the same with Syria as have done with Iraq and Libya and blast all the infrastructure, everything they need to survive as a people uh, into, into the Stone Age. And again, that was the agenda, I remember, uh, that um, Kissinger and Bezinski talked about too. They differed on some points with Iraq but, they, but they, they thought if they did the whole, the whole thing with all this list of countries, they demolished them, the Stone Age pretty well, then they could never reform. And they'd make sure they'd never reform uh, as governments, again, national governments. And you'd be left with little factions all fighting each other forever, like little tribal things within X countries. That's the interfering of the West. That's what it brings. And Libya didn't get handouts from anybody on the planet, didn't want them, didn't need them. They were self-sufficient, and they were given handouts to other African nations. And you couldn't have that either. You must have the African nations all <laughs> borrowing from the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank to be under the thumb of the rulers. There's, there's just too much going on for those who don't understand what all this is about. But getting, away, getting back to what I was saying, nothing is spontaneous when it comes to these kind of things. It takes a long time planning. Now, Tony Blair came out, as I say, suddenly out of nowhere. It was obvious to me what was going to happen. And then there was, within Corbyn, Corbyn, uh, who was a kind of pro-Russian guy, or pro-communist at one time, he was communist pretty well, for the Labour Party in Britain, uh, he also kind of stood up for the Russians here and there. And Russia right then became a bad, bad person, Mr. Russia, because... Uh, He'd stepped in already in Syria to, to pretty well get the U.S. to back off. And the countries that were involved around there were not too happy with that. And they'll never forgive. So Russia became the bad guy. And Putin gave, made a famous talk about it, very good talk, logical too. When he said, do you realize what you've done to, to America? And what is America, really? I mean, the average American has no say in this at all. Or Britain, for that matter. That's the realities of what we call reality. <laughs> Getting back to how we're all conditioned all the time. But you have, you have different forces running your countries, using you with long-term agendas, and even the annihilation of you down the road. Quite openly, actually, in some circles. And... 
the people don't, haven't got a clue. They simply re- react emotionally to bad people, gassing people. And that was the line in the sand, the sand of course, that Obama drew, making sure that each time it was almost finished in Syria, and if Syria was winning, the, the, the government of Syria, then uh, there'd be a gas attack or the appearance of a gas attack because that was a line in the sand under the United Nations. So it's going to keep happening and happening over and over again. And <laughs> the end justifies the means. It is completely illogical for each time that Syria is winning against rebels. Just before there's a ceasefire or a complete capitulation, generally days before, there's a gas attack blamed on Syria. But they don't need to use any gas attack at all. And in comes the West again. The thing continues. Now, sides are impossible to follow across in those countries too. So, so there's no point jumping at your sides. I get this side against that side or whatever. There's all factions of all kinds too. And all kinds of almost socialist, communist type factions in the rebel factions. And I've told people before, don't fight for anything because I'm telling you're all getting used. You're all getting news. You have no idea what's planned for you and, and if you have any children down the road what's planned for them. You have none at all. The same as folk in Britain or, or, or Europe. They had no idea what was planned for them years ago either. And they fought for all what they thought was the right things. But they were all used. <laughs> and here you go. So anyway, Tony Blair was pulled out, getting back to the long-term planning. Corbyn, because he... He was blamed to be uh, pro-Russian, who suddenly became an enemy. Suddenly, he was getting lambasted over a week ago, maybe two weeks ago in the papers in Britain, by factions within the Labour Party. And I didn't know, there's lots of people scratching there, well, what's going on here? It's like two factions within the Labour Party. He was blamed for all kinds of things, including anti-Semitism. Well, what's going on here? But it gave me a clue there was more to going on here, getting, getting something. People in the know knew something. <laughs> Obviously. And at the same time, you, you had, just before, you had this, this odd thing with, with the, the nerve gas that was used in Britain against two ex, or one ex-spy, a Russian spy, and his daughter. Blamed on Russia right away off the bat, too. Even though the inspectors in Britain haven't given any samples to anybody else to test. Just their own, their own boys and gals. So, it makes you wonder, you know, what's all this about here? And, then, and you have articles about it too. It's all, you see, you see the connections, there's connections and connections and connections. That, that's how you prepare the minds of the people who don't think through it all consciously. But it affects them. It's like little, little bits and pieces that affect your mind and direct your mind and get you ready for something. And they're getting you ready for gas attacks down the road somewhere else. Because actually I've talked about the horror of gas attacks in Britain against two people. And suddenly you've got, you've got gas attacks over the yonder against bunches of people. And the connection, again, is Russia made this gas, and, or this nerve gas and agent in, in Britain. And, and again, and Russia's involved in saving Assad's hide over there. This is, this is how they set up the stage for psychological warfare. And the people don't think any further than the conditioning. 
But it falls together, doesn't it? Russia also offered, and they, they did send people in to test the site that supposedly, the latest supposedly gas attack was at. They found nothing. But no one else went, went in. The UN wouldn't go in. Nobody else went in. It was a done deal. Facts don't matter. You, you always understand when something's a done deal, nothing's going to stop it from happening. You need pretexts for invasions. You need pretexts to keep wars going when they're almost ended. And there are too many players in, the, in, in it all today. There's way too many players. You also have big warfare manufacturers involved in it too. Even the run from for Britain to go over, and I think the Daily Mail had, had again, pictures of how the submarines has broken down, diagrams of all their weaponry involved, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's a great ad for the, the military-industrial boys that, who really hate peacetime because you don't get much, uh, the same kind of massive profit that, that they were used to during the Cold War. That's why they'd love a Cold War again. During the Cold War, I can remember it awfully well. And the uh, every every week, from the U.S. side or the British side, you get great propaganda. And I can remember they showed you a mosque in the Middle East, somewhere in the Middle East, just a mosque. It was CIA footage. But that was disguised. Inside that was a rocket ship, apparently. A a kind of high-tech missile. Deadly. Because you couldn't see it from the mosque. It was the the big minaret tower you you saw there. And uh, that's that's, uh, that's what was inside. You take their word for it, you see. And had lots of that kind of nonsense going on all the time. And and what they keep telling you is, oh, this month you've got the, you've got this beautiful uh, demolisher smithereen missile Mark Fifty. Uh, but oh, two weeks later, once you get into production and and you've, your taxpayers bought it all, a bunch of them, uh, your, the Russians had one that could beat it and, and take it out no time at all. So you had to go back to drawing board, get another version. It was great business for stuff that was never meant to be used. Fantastic business. It's the best business for them. Guaranteed. After all, you're all going. You're all going to be demolished tomorrow if you can't demolish the enemy at the same time. Even though you're going to demolish the whole planet. This is the nonsense of all too. But uh, I really had my doubts about the whole thing. To be honest with you, all along. Um, you, you definitely had all the different fail-safe mechanisms you had. You had uh, not just a red phone to Moscow, you had the different uh, ways to make sure that but they could always keep communication, always, to divert these kind of things from happening. And don't think, too, there was no real uh, um, financial industry. I'm saying financial in the Soviet system. Of course there was. Of course there was. And you could, you could become a multi-billionaire in the Soviet system uh, as long as you could prove uh, that you weren't making money off, uh, you weren't exploiting the labor of people to get rich. Same in banking. They had different banks in the Soviet Union, and, and the banks, again, uh, would accept money as long as it wasn't off the slavery of people. That's how they worded it. It was all legalisms and and the lawyers are fantastic for getting around common sense. But anyway, 
we're living in a world of constant preparedness to the next step, the next step for your masters. And if you watch it closely, what's happening? Don't don't pull back and think it's all finished. It's probably not. They want they want Syria taken out. They've said it many many times before for in the West. The CFR members have said it over and over and over again too. Going back to the late nineties, and they won't change their mind on it. It's not going to. They will not change their mind. They have their own plans for countries over there. And they have their own plans for who will be dominant and who will not even exist, eventually. And they have their own plans as well to take the the rest of of the massive migration that will happen if they start going for Iran and finish off Syria. I mean, would you hang around there with your families if if you're going to be hammered for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Would you? They know what they're doing. See, that's another technique of war is forcing folk out through mass migration using all the fear, terror you can. These are all forms of warfare. Move them out of the place. Get them to move. Terrify them. Starve them. Whatever it takes. That's what they do. And people make careers uh, and they make studies and get their degrees on learning all this stuff of how to be a, a real professional psychopath. Mass murderer. Destroyers of nations. And they get rewarded awfully well for doing it by those with the big money who rule you and own you. That's how the world really works. I said on a show years ago in the 90s, I said, the only thing that's worth fighting for is a little plot of land you're sitting on. Anything outside that is is not under your control. (laughs) It's true. It's so true. Because folk who go and fight, especially when they leave their own shores to go and fight, you're getting used for something by somebody else. I used to watch, and I didn't watch actually, I didn't like boxing. I didn't see the point in standing slogging and punching somebody out. And all the boxers had these odd-looking eyebrows because they were always getting cut and bleeding and so on from them. And and you always read too about them getting uh, brain problems down the road, unsteady gait, you know, and things like that, from the damage they endured. But I could understand that men have this this challenging thing in them, especially when they're younger. They've got this challenging thing in them to compete, which is related to a form of warfare. And that's what sports is too, in a sense. Especially team sports is as against them, whoever they are happen to be. So it fulfills a basic instinct there. And that's why the bulk of people follow sport like that. I don't follow it at all, because I know it's meant to keep you mesmerized and, and ineffective and doing anything positive. And it's also because as they pacify the males in their society by having you watch all this kind of stuff, you won't stand up for yourselves in a positive masculine way when 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 maybe sometimes you should. You watch it in a proxy form, these guys act out on your behalf. It's all understood too through all their studies. But anyway, getting back to what I'm talking about, your natural instincts at different ages are used against you all the time. All young guys will go off and fight. You'll do it. You'll, you'll just do it. You'll think, oh, the brave thing is this instinct inside you, blah, blah, blah. Part of a team, the tribe. And you go off, and, and, and any, anything you'll do initially, as, as long as the authorities, this is very important, the authorities lavish little tin stars and things on you when you get back. 
and give you salutes and things, and you're suddenly somebody just for a little while. Today, of course, it's until all the side effects, the medications that put you on start to catch up with you. But you're so easily used, so easily used. You think the average person in the military would not stand up in a street and slug it out with somebody in Civvy Street. And yet they're proud to get a salute and a little star for going over to some other country and killing folk as a group. Think about it. How it's easy to use you. Now, all the guys who, who are, are peaceful in society would fight for their own home in the past times. Maybe not now, but in past times they would fight as a group to defend their own homes. That's a, that's a natural thing. That's real natural self-defense. But even that's getting drummed out of them today. But they're still encouraged to go off into the military. It's awfully interesting to see that all the work isn't it. And to see all the studies that are constantly doing and all this too, that you're not supposed to know about <laughs> or even think about. But it's quite interesting to me anyway. But nothing is, as I say, nothing is spontaneous. It takes a long time to plan things. As I say, Tony Blair's group had, had uh, the top CEOs in two, two and a half years before they invaded Iraq, planning to divvy up the oil fields and the resources of Iraq. The U.S. was doing the same thing, of course. And they even had economists involved as well to see how they could get the taxpayers' money, how they could smuggle it across there under the guise of war uh, for re- reconstructing oil uh, rigs and, and, uh, and, and buildings and so on that they were demolishing in area strikes. So it wouldn't cost the corporations anything for rebuilding. That's how the, the world really is run. Huh. Amazing, eh? And if you belong to a nation, remember... There's a price to pay because you belong to a corporation. It's true, Europe is a private corporation. It's a corporation. And if you sign on to it, then uh, they can call you up and send you off to fight for something you don't even have a clue what it's all about. And as you come back, they may even take your own homes from you, for all you know. These things happen. Because you, you, you won't get told any truth in propaganda. Propaganda is to motivate you to do to your master's bidding. And you'll never understand what the, the, the total outcome of that actually is. We're used over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Sad that. Long time ago, there was a guy called Desmond Morris, and he, he had wrote the book called The Naked Ape. Uh, and he also talked about the similarities of evolution and his idea was monkeys to, to orangutans and, and to humans and so on. But he also, again, worked and gave talks for intelligence agencies for the military. And they had ones for the U.S. and Britain and elsewhere. And he talked about the U.S. Uh, would it succeed with its military because they, they, were, they were taken over as policemen of the world big, big time after World War II. And they, they, that was their job. It was planned before they would take it over. In fact, the, the, um, the CFR uh, and the Royal Institute for International Affairs passed the torch to America. And after America goes down, China has to take over. This was printed in the 1930s. So you're all used in turn for a, a big, big plan, which most of you will never figure out, not, not even know was on the go and was planned before you were born. But anyway, Desmond Morris talked to people like that and, and instructed them 
Because the big problem they had was, okay, if you have a homogenous people, it was quite easy to get an, a, a young guy's army formed very quickly. And, but what happens with multiculturalism, mass migration? And they used America as an example at the time, because they had a lot more migration in most countries. And was it, says, was it possible to keep, to keep the same pride that's necessary to form an, an aggressive army that go off and fight for, for whatever the, the fiction happens to be that they give you at the time? And he, he called it tribe and, and super tribe. Could you form a super tribe with all different cultures in, in a mass army? And perhaps even form it into a United Nations army down the road with mass cultures and so on. That would be just as aggressive and efficient as a, as a national army of homogenous people. And they had big, big lectures on all this kind of stuff. And they had the version for the public, the book, and they had one for the, for the intelligence agencies as well. And for the psychologists that work with them and so on. So what I'm saying is the world is vastly different than the world is presented to you. And yes, you have very efficient lobby groups too, and, and nations. Uh, and often, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of money involved. Of course there is a lot of money involved, and power involved, and threats involved. That, that all these things are methods of using power to get peoples, armies, or nations to do the bidding of who was involved, including the massive military-industrial complex. I mean, the U.S. has got hundreds of bases all over the planet. They're using Qatar. They use Qatar for the strike on Syria there. The same Qatar that they were training the rebels in for years and shipping all the supplies in for them. They got a U.S. base there. Had it for a long time. I think it was Gene Kirkpatrick uh, who um, came up with the ideas of using a base across the planet rather than just going over and conquering places, uh, set up the bases and keep them there permanently and use them as stepping stones to the next conquering place and so on. Because she was well aware that the U.S. was going to start trying to hammer the world into one system. That was a role uh, now that was handed over to them. And don't forget that she was involved in all the communist organizations, and she was employed by Ronald Reagan, the so-called conservative. Nothing's ever what it seems, you know. The portrayal is good, depending on how good the media is is spinning things to the public. It's never the system you think it is. Now we touch on a few articles just before I go. This is maybe back up the points I'm making here. So here's Blair, the man who waved his arms and got Britain off to war for something that had a clue was all about, actually. And they helped him demolish the country, a nation. And they helped, again, to help <laughs> migrate across the planet. And afterwards, naturally, who wants to stay in the Stone Age, eh? And here's again, of course, out again. But anyway, I'll go back to an article that was, it was I read, mentioned before. It was Dishonest Blair and, and Jack Straw, Mr. Straw, accused of a secret plan for multicultural UK. And here's out again. He knows darn well he's going to get more of a multicultural Britain, the whole of Europe, if he can get all these other countries to empty out and come across to Europe, naturally. And people can't afford it. You can't afford mass, mass migration and welfare. You can't do it. No one can do it. Which will bring them to another step, and I think that's all planned too, of collapse. Of when nations will collapse, 
You'll have periods of strife as folk turn on each other, different gangs. There's already gangs in some of them. And you'll have a new system that'll come out of it. That's plan two, a, a different kind of system uh, of totalitarianism. But they won't call it that, actually. They never do. But I'll put a link up for you to, to peruse for those who want to peruse these things. And again, I'll put up the, uh, the Tony Blair, uh, George Bush deal and how they, they, they made plans to invade Iraq before they sought advice about the invasion's legality. Didn't matter about legality. And despite the absence of a second UN resolution. Blair again, by the way, is out there saying to, to Theresa May, you don't need any permission from Parliament to go and bomb another country. There you go. Same thing. Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day. Over and over again. I'm talking about the movie. And it's no, it's no coincidence he's doing all this. The, the people who backed him and put, made him a prime minister are still in power across the planet. And they're putting him forward again to get the next part through. And why did Tony Blair go to war in Iraq? That's not even the right term and so on. And uh, Iraq invasion was about oil, etc., etc. And it goes into the how they, how they divvied up all the, the oil, etc., for the corporations. The cross stack up articles I've kept over the years on that. And that, but that way, too, you can always look back rather than get caught up in the motion of the moment. The motion's meant to spin your mind into accepting what's happening. And if you accept what's happening, the next target, and if a different country will be the same way, too, you'll accept it in an easier way. Also, I'll put up uh, a few articles here on Russia. It says experts found no evidence of poison at the site of the Syrian chemical attack and accused the White High Helmets of faking the atrocity. It's always the same White Helmets. Of course, there's been so many exposés of them over the years. But again, it doesn't matter. Facts don't matter when it comes to agendas. And Qatar is allowing missiles to be fired from air bases. Shameful, they say. Because they've got the American air base there, and that's what they're using as a staging ground. Also, the, uh, the Russian, is a Russian, RT, sheds light on Skirpal saga. Inconsistencies as OPCW release report, and it's a, there's a video in it too. How they're quick to blame Russia for the poisoning of Sergei Skirpal. Uh, Skripal, despite no evidence uh, being presented, they wouldn't give samples to Russia too, which would be no okay if they had, but nope. What's interesting there is that basically a Swiss company that is used for their military uh, has analysed a sample of it, apparently. That particular one used in Britain. And they said that it wasn't what they said it was. It's, it's, it's a, an agent, but it's not, uh, it's not a Russian agent. They actually said it's, uh, it was stockpiled by Britain and the US and some, I guess, NATO countries. But who knows? And you've got a war of propaganda, bits and pieces of fact. But again, you do have a Swiss, at least a Swiss company. They tend to be pretty honest and, and not compromised. They've come out with so I'll put the articles out anyway. Who knows? Who knows? You'll never know. You also have, again, Netanyahu's praising U.S. strikes in Syria. And he's warning Iran. He, he's really wanting Iran out the way. They did a strike from from there, and they admit they did a strike initially, then they admitted it from into Syria against uh, what they claim was an Iranian 
air base or something, or a base of some kind. So there's, there's, there's different fingers in this pie here, and I, I cannot see it stopping. Swiss Lab says BZ talks and used in Salisbury in England against that spy and his daughter. It was not produced in Russia. It was in the US and UK service. I'll put it up too. And the lab is called Lavrov Swiss Lab. And uh, that's what they claim it was. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Hmm? I'll put up two. The China makes it rain over three times the size of Spain. And Tony Blair says, Theresa May doesn't need Parliament's approval for airstrikes against Assad. It's just, I say, deja vu and dog, and it's also the Groundhog Day over and over again. You're so fed up with it, don't you? So I'll put these articles up, maybe a few more as well. And of course, the secret memos between the oil film firms and the invasion of Iraq that came out too. And Jack Straw and Tony Blair with a secret plan for a multicultural UK. It was the whole of Europe too, but the UK definitely. The man who was supposedly there to protect and look after the people of Britain. It took them to war. They didn't want it. And What a psychopath he is. What a psychopath that man is. But he's pretty typical of, of who the, the, the real leaders of the world pick. We do have bosses of the planet. There's no doubt about it. That's who they pick. Shameless psychopaths who stick to the story. You've got to keep it the story simple and just stick to it. It doesn't matter if it... If you, if you complicate the lie, there's more holes to pick in it by people who oppose it. So keep it simple. They keep it as simple as possible. And we'll keep telling the same, same little one-liners over and over again. That, it was just, again, repetition listening to that coming out of the White House. A spokesman about uh, was it Mattis Econom, uh, and he's asked any question at all. He would just repeat the same one half liner type thing over and over again. He, he, he just, that's how they do it, uh, and when they do it that way, they, they, they you know darn well you're getting well. They've got a disdain for the public, a real disdain. That's how they see the public is dumb, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid for the dummies and. And just repeat simple, stupid one-liners over and over again. And that'll go down in the history books like that. Real facts don't matter. They don't matter at all. You know, you've had court cases. Oh, it's getting bad now. There's, there's court cases where, where facts don't matter. You're, the judges will say that. Facts don't matter. And, and that's where we are nowadays. As things get worse and worse, facts don't matter. People die, they get slaughtered, they get starved to death. Facts don't matter. The cause of mass migration that is promoted in very high circles across the planet, facts don't matter. And the targets, see, there's many ways of demolishing people or creating genocide. Many ways. And saying that you want to, to, to get rid of the homogenous population is a form of genocide. Have you ever thought about that? That's what, under the UN, actually, that she said that even forbidding people to speak their own language in their own countries is a form of genocide. That's very old. Very old. In ancient times, in Rome, knew it too, and other conquering armies in the Middle East in ancient times, moved whole peoples from place to place to, to, get, to destroy the culture. Moved them around. Did it all the time. Ancient technique. And then fill them, them full of other cultures and peoples and so on. Genocide isn't just straight slaughtering. 
You can also look at those who planned for a massive depopulation with techniques to bring down the populations, including the, the, the extreme birth control to the nth degree. And you better think about that too. Nothing is always for the straightforward, simple reason they tell you, just like Mathis, you know, or, or George Bush, you know, weapons of mass destruction. Everybody parroted the same thing. They're all told to parrot the same thing over and over, but like robots, weapons of mass destruction. You have to stop, get out of the emotional tunnel that they've guided you into, and stop and think. Always do that. Back to Bertrand Russell. We used to think we could just reason and teach people to become logical thinking, rational people. They can do more with a brass band and waving the flags. And the slogans, of course, they always bring them the slogans. And that's nothing's changed. Same techniques and so on. Same techniques. It's too easy to be used. Too easy. And it works awfully well. So easy. Now, I, I'm not trying to be pessimistic or anything. I'm just teaching for those who want to understand things and hopefully give them a few clues as to what to look up, what to study, how to study, how to think even, and how to dissect information. Nothing is generally how it appears to be. It's always something else. And believe you me, when it comes to information and getting politicians even into power and so on. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You know, fool me once. Hmm? Fool me once. And fool me twice. Shame on who? <laughs> Don't fall for the dramatic acts, folks. It's up to you. Anyway, I hate to go on about all this stuff. And it's boring to me because I, they're not finished yet. Don't think they're finished. They're not finished. If you're on the list, unfortunately, I mean, I, I, you know, and I've, and I've had a family over there. I get out too. I mean, why wait for it all to happen? They're not going to finish with Syria. That's one of the countries still to go. From myself, Alan Watt, from a still very cold northern Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>